if you want to call us an underdog, go ahead. Uh, we'll use that energy. We're going to need to bring our best game the best time of the year. We're going to give it our all. See what happens. He was moving in shooting. He's the home. Mark Shetley with a wrist shot. It's a power play goal. What a beauty play by Winnipeg. Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Hosted by Jets TV. Well, the playoffs continue, and the Winnipeg Jets finally have a second-round opponent. They'll face the Montreal Canadiens in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, And that's just how everybody drew it up, I'm pretty sure, uh, guys. You're listening to Ground Control. This is episode 109. We're previewing the series between the Jets and Habs. Joined, of course, as always, by Jets TV's Mitchell Clinton and 680 CJOB's Paul Edmonds. Uh, Guys, we'll get right into it, and I'll start with you, Paul. Um, the Winnipeg Jets and the Montreal Canadiens, uh, you know, we've had less than 24 hours to digest this matchup uh, as the Toronto Maple Leafs were eliminated on Monday night as we record this on Tuesday afternoon. Just what sticks out to you about this matchup and your immediate thoughts and and how do you think the Jets will stack up against Montreal? Well, I think that first and foremost, you're looking at two excellent goaltenders, two guys, one Vesna trophies. Carey Price in 2014, 2015, and then last year for Connor Hellebuck. So I think it comes down to who will outduel who in goal. And I mean, both have had some playoff experience and more recently with Connor Hellebuck for sure. So that will be one of the items that I'll be watching is who will outgoalie the other goalie. And then that team will have certainly a better chance to win the series. The other the thing that pops up to me is I don't believe that there will be a sweep at all in this series. I think it will have a teeter-totter effect to it and it will go, if not the distance, very close to six games. It'll go back and forth. Fans in buildings in Montreal will have kind of an effect as well. That'll be new for the Winnipeg Jets and possibly some healthcare frontline workers for Winnipeg has been rumored as well. So that's a bit of a different dynamic, but the nuts and bolts of this for me will come down to the star players needing to be the star players I look at a guy like Mark Scheifele, who led the Jets, especially in that seven-game series against Nashville a few years ago. He's the all-time franchise leader in goals scored in the playoffs. This is a guy that I think really enjoys this time of year when the focal point is in on him and there's less, there's less competition uh, for the stars when it comes to what everybody is watching. So that will be number one for me is Mark Scheifele and driving that number one line. And then also from that standpoint – I think Winnipeg has the better or the edge on specialty teams. And if you can pop a power play goal here and there with the way the games are called now in the playoffs, you're not going to get as many power plays. So if you only get three a game and you can get one goal with the man advantage, that really can sway a game for sure and maybe sway a series. At the same time, if your penalty kill is up to the task, you can really avoid giving up that power play goal against, which might wash out the one that you've already scored. I know it's a long answer. So it's a simple recipe. Your top players need to be your top guys. And I look for Mark Scheifele to do that. You need some specialty teams help and you need to have great goaltending of which both teams have, I think, but Winnipeg certainly I think is built for this moment. Montreal will have a little bit of momentum coming in, but the jets are well rested. And I think it will be a real good start on Wednesday night to see what happens here. Blake Wheeler talked about a patient kind of series. I think it does have that, but that will be a patient type of series to start. I don't think it's going to be that way going forward. 
Mitch, this leads perfectly into my topic that I want to throw at you. And it's the whole rest versus rust uh, scenario. Obviously, the Jets are going to have a nine day layoff in between uh, in between games. And, you know, that that's massive. And I think the, the rest versus rust is definitely something that, that is being talked about. Um, what do you think the Winnipeg Jets need to do in order to get off to a great start? I mean, you look at the way Colorado was able to come out and and just dominate Vegas right out the gate. Uh, you know, I think this is also one of those things where, you know, it might not be an immediate payoff. As Paul said, the win- or the Montreal Canadiens are going to come in with momentum, but this might be something that plays into the series a little later on. Yeah, I mean, you only have to look back to 2018 in that regard. Uh, the Jets know all too well, and that was something Blake Wheeler also talked about, and it's the first thing that popped into my mind. You win that emotional game seven against the Nashville Predators in Nashville. You spend the next day flying to that city, uh, sorry, to, to Winnipeg. And the Vegas Golden Knights have been waiting for a little bit. and But the Jets ride that momentous high into a, I think it was a 4-2 final or a 4-1 final in game one. So, I mean, that you're feeling really good at that point uh, if you're the Winnipeg Jets. Now, ultimately, uh, Vegas' rest and uh, some goaltending from Marc-Andre Fleury that I still can't believe to this day um, ultimately gives the Vegas golden Knights, the series win in 2018, but this is a, an amount of rest that the jets haven't seen before. I mean, you look back at that same run after the first round, when they beat the the wild in five, the jets had six days off before they played game one against Nashville. This is now going to be, I think by game day, it'll be nine. And that's, just an incredible amount of time. Um, so they spent, you know, a couple of days resting simply from that triple overtime game four against Edmonton. And then they got back to it a little bit. There was a little bit more, uh, I guess, I think Paul Maurice calls it grind in the practice, just working on those, those one-on-one battles, uh, little things in the defensive zone, took the, took a day off on Sunday. And then it was just speed on Monday and Tuesday, get up and down the ice as fast as you can, because, as much as it's going to be a grind type of a series against the uh, Canadians, there's going to be something to be said for speed. The The Canadians have, have players that can move as can the Winnipeg Jets, and you want to be able to operate at a, at a high speed. So yeah, in game one, look for the, the Canadians, I think to, I mean, one of two things can happen. One, they can come in similar to the Jets in 2018, come out guns a blazing because they're riding that momentum, or there might be that collective exhale because they've had to, play at that level since game five with their backs against the wall. So we'll see what happens in game one on Wednesday, but ultimately I think if the jets are able to come out in game one uh, and I mean, they'd love to replicate what the Colorado avalanche did, but even if they're to some degree uh, able to come out with a lot of pace and a lot of speed and a lot of execution, then that bodes well for them. And if the series does go, you know, deeper into, into six, maybe seven, like, uh, like, uh, Polly Edmonds was talking about there, uh, then that's where I really think you start to see the rest benefit the Jets. Paul, you kind of touched on it in your first answer a little bit about the goaltending matchup. And obviously this is, this is going to probably be what determines the series. If, if you're making early predictions, uh, you know, Connor Hellebuck on Monday said, you know, other than meeting Carey Price at the all-star game and asking for a stick, he doesn't really have much a relation of a relationship with them. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets, obviously on, on Tuesday following practice, were very complimentary of, of Carey and his body of work and his accomplishments throughout his career. Just how do you see the Winnipeg Jets finding ways to solve Carey Price that the Toronto Maple Leafs just couldn't do? Well, that's a great question because how do you, 
How do you make it more difficult for Carey Price? Well, it's going to be more difficult for the Winnipeg Jets to, to do that because getting to the middle of the ice against those tall trees that they have on the back end, you know, in Weber and Sherratt and Peachtree and Edmondson, that's a formidable defense. So you have to find your way into the hard areas around or through those guys then to put the puck on Carey Price. So he's well insulated that way when it comes to having that defense in front of him. But he's not completely impervious. Winnipeg's beaten him before this year. And you'll, I, I know that the season series won't have much bearing on this, but what you'll look for is maybe little tendencies on where you beat Carey Price with a shot through video. The other thing, too, for me is that for Connor Hellebach, it's just a matter of making the first save and looking poised and ready like he did against Edmonton. I just thought that he looked so relaxed, so calm. You take that into this series, and there will be that belief system that will continue in front of you by those players. The other thing is, too, I thought that while Mike Smith for Edmonton was the guy that was handling the puck so well as a goaltender and that third defenseman back there, if you will, Winnipeg did a good job of hunting the puck on him and not allowing him to really make those outlet passes. On the other side, I thought Connor Hellebuck perhaps had his best series at handling the puck for his defenseman. So I look for something like that as well from that standpoint. Don't come out and wander, but if you can place it calmly and neatly beside the net for somebody to retrieve and pick up a lot easier, then you come out of your own zone a lot easier. So from that standpoint, there's going to be some little things here over and above just stopping the puck for these two goaltenders. And one of them is puck movement from that goalie standpoint and puck placement for sure. Rebound control, and then also making sure that you make a couple of saves early in the series to get the confidence of the group in front of you. You get that, and you're probably off to the races. But this is a real sort of delicious matchup between these two goaltenders. And I would suggest this to you guys, and this is not being negative. This is just a fact. In the three series that Connor Hellebach has lost, Vegas, St. Louis, Calgary, each and every time, and I mentioned this the last podcast, he had been outdueled by the other goaltender. Before it was Marc-Andre Fleury, then Jordan Bennington, and then it was Cam Talbot in the qualifier against Calgary last year. Don't think that Connor doesn't know that, and don't think that Connor Hellebuck wouldn't like to be the guy that outduels Carey Price this time around and maybe gets rid of that little moniker that is around him when it comes to coming into a big series and trying to win a series for his team, like he did to some degree against the Edmonton Oilers. Great analysis, as always, Guy. And speaking of great analysis, uh, we're sliding over to our guest this week, which is Jennifer Botterill. Winnipeggers know her well. Obviously, she's a, a three-time Olympic champion with the Canadian women's national hockey team. Uh, currently, right now, she's doing a great job over at Sportsnet. Uh, you're seeing her during the intermissions and pregame uh, during the national broadcasts. So we chat with her about the Winnipeg Jets' first-round series against the Edmonton Oilers, what they were able to do well, and what they hope to continue on in the second round. Plus, we also discussed the PWHPA and their recent tournament that they had out in Alberta and a few other things as well. So enjoy this interview. Shop where the players shop. Jets Gear and TrueNorthShop.com are your authentic team stores. Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jets gear locations or shop online at truenorthshop.com. Hi, this is Connor Hellebuck, and you're listening to Ground Control. 
the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Joined here on the Ground Control Podcast by three-time Olympic gold medalist, and of course, everybody in Winnipeg knows her, uh, Jennifer Botterill, the Winnipeg product. Uh, Jennifer, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. My pleasure. It's very nice to connect. All right, so we'll get right into it. Um, obviously, the Winnipeg Jets uh, sweep the Edmonton Oilers, uh, ended by that triple overtime thriller on Monday night. You were uh, working for Sportsnet on the panel during that game, uh, and everybody's talking about what the players are doing during the intermissions, but I have to know, what's keeping you guys going? I mean, you guys got to be presentable on television. There's clearly some fluids, probably some snacks, uh, <laughs> maybe some coffee. What do you guys do to keep uh, keep sharp? Yes. I mean, well, that's, that's playoff action for you, right? That you never know how long it's going to go. And it keeps us busy in studio. Absolutely. I mean, while the game's going on, we're, we're picking our clips and, and we're on during the intermission. So there, there isn't too much downtime for us. I mean, we have, we have to be on set in the studio uh, while the overtime is happening because you never know when the winning goal is going to come. So uh, there isn't much time to, to leave that studio. So we have some water, we have a couple snacks with us, but I think all of us enjoyed it, right? We love the game of hockey and yep. uh, there was, you know, there's such excitement in terms of the plays that are developing during the game um, in terms of thinking, you know, ahead on, on what might happen. So for us, I think we enjoy the entertainment value of, of great hockey and some exciting playoff action. Well, given that this is the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets and you're from Winnipeg, I have to ask, you were you had to have been excited just a little bit, even though you're a fair and impartial broadcaster when Kyle Connor put that puck past Mike Smith. Oh, you know, it was a I mean, it was a, an exciting series. Right. And I know having grown up in Winnipeg, um, how much the Jets mean to the city of Winnipeg, to the province of Manitoba. So. Um, I, I have a lot of respect for that. And so a great story, absolutely, uh, for Winnipeg. And, and I think that their performance, um, it was just example, right? That no one can predict exactly what the playoffs are going to look like, that it's uh, a fresh start for all of the teams. And what we've seen from the Jets uh, in this first round was uh, the team that uh, I think a lot of people anticipated, you know, might be a real contender in terms of earlier in the season, in terms of their top six forward talent, yep. um, in terms of the personalities and the character that they have on the roster. So uh, clearly all of those pieces uh, came together for them um, with their performance in that first round. What did you see from Winnipeg in this series specifically on the ice and in terms of just how they were able to defend Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and just what types of things did they do that allowed them to have that success? Yes, I mean, that, that's a huge task, right, in terms of trying to contain and to neutralize Connor McDavid um, and, and Leon Dreisaitl. And the two of them, I mean, their seasons were, were off the charts in terms of how well they played. So that is uh, really, I mean, a big credit is due uh, to the Jets in terms of their coach, Paul Maurice, and, and having that plan in place to make sure that they were responsible defensively and to be very conscious and aware and to work together. I mean, that's not a one person effort to, to try to slow those two down. If you're looking at McDavid and Dreisaitl, 
so that's something collectively that the Jets did well, uh, where they took pride in, in that aspect of their game. I mean, you look at, at all the elements they had, you know, the Jets had great goaltending, you know, solid play in the defensive end, and then the offensive production from, you know, your top players. And, and those are all of the elements that you need to be successful. So uh, clearly, um, you know, a, a solid team effort in terms of, of buying in to how they wanted to play together to be successful. One of the old sayings in hockey is that, you know, winning breeds winning. And you played in some big hockey games in your career. But what do you think about that that phrase and just how it maybe applies here to the Winnipeg Jets situation? And, and like we kind of said off the top, nobody really expected Winnipeg to, to get the sweep. But at what point does momentum play a factor and you just start get rolling downhill? Momentum is, is, a, is a big factor. And certainly when you think about the Jets as well, it is important to remember the importance of, of their third and fourth lines. And that has just been something that Paul Maurice, with his communication throughout the season, he often wanted to make sure that those third and fourth line guys were recognized in, in terms of the presence that they brought, um, their leadership, the, the personalities that they brought. And that's just something where you need every person, no matter what that role is, um, you need to have people that are buying in and want to play their role to the, the best of their capacity. And when you have third and fourth line guys that are you know, buying in, that have the right attitudes and are also contributing in terms of how they play on the ice, that's just something that, that helps the, the, the entire group. And, and when you talk about getting on a roll, I mean, the, the Jets, when you talk about having the... Uh, you know, the, the belief in what you're going to do to play those overtime games and then get the results. Um, that is something that, that becomes contagious and that belief only continues to grow. Uh, and that's something where, again, I think the Jets believed in their potential throughout the season. I mean, they had a great season and, you know, that little uh, bump in the road towards the end of the season is, is perhaps something that they learned a lot from uh, in terms of being playoff ready, ready for challenges and, and to be able to rise to, to the occasion of, of playing well uh, on the big stage. We talk about momentum, but obviously now the Winnipeg Jets had to put it in, in park or at least neutral. Um, they're waiting for their second round opponent. Uh, we record this on Friday and the Montreal Canadiens pushed to game six. Uh, so the Winnipeg Jets are waiting to see who they're playing. What benefits do you see that Winnipeg has in just waiting and getting some time to rest and recover and then balancing that with the fact that you want to get back to playing hockey as soon as you can. Right. And each team is going to have a, a different schedule and setup of, of when they're playing, when they get their rest. And so if you look at Winnipeg now in terms of, of them just, you know, waiting to see who their opponent is uh, for these players and this team, it's, it's making the most of this rest time, right? Playoffs, and you've seen the pace, the intensity, the physicality of, of Stanley Cup playoffs. So for them to make the most of this opportunity to get some practice time in, which has been um, you know, very valuable this season, that there aren't many opportunities to, to have those practice ice times. So for them to enjoy those skates, make it a learning opportunity, and to, to make the most of that recovery uh, knowing that you want to have a full tank of gas and to have every every element um, to be at your best when the next round starts. You have three gold medals to your name. Clearly, you played in some big hockey games. Uh, what What is it like to play in a hockey game with such magnitude? And when you look at 
the Winnipeg Jets. Clearly, it's only been the first round, but three overtime games, those are real knee shakers if from uh, just a, a complete amateur uh, at the sport of hockey. But just what does it mean to play in those uh, big games? You know, I'm smiling even as you ask the question. And I think as an athlete, you you want to thrive in those big moments. And, and that's even how I felt covering game four in the studio that, you know, first overtime, second, second overtime, third overtime. I, I was smiling in the studio because you're watching, you're following along. But as an athlete, as a hockey player, you love to be in those big moments and you want to be the one that comes through. And whether you're making the, the shot block or you're making the nice assist or you're scoring the big goal, whatever that play is, you know, I think as a, a professional athlete and for these guys playing in these moments, you, you want to embrace it. Of course, it's you're focused and you're intense, but there's just, an, uh, uh, I think also an element of just having a little smile, whether it's inside your heart and just to say, you know, this is a pretty special place to be. This is exactly where I want to be and to, to embrace that and, and to bring your best in those big moments. You mentioned broadcasting and how that ties in. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, obviously, you've become a mainstay on Sportsnet's panel uh, throughout the, the regular season and into the playoffs here. Uh, just how did you get into broadcasting? And was that something that you'd considered when your playing career came to a close? Well, thank you. I, I loved my, my playing career. I feel so fortunate uh, in terms of my days as a competitive hockey player. And then I've had a few opportunities since I stepped away from the game um, as an athlete. And for me, there was an immediate draw because obviously I love the game of hockey. And so for me to stay connected to the sport in a different capacity uh, was something that had a huge, um, a huge appeal for me. And so it's something that I've, I've really enjoyed. Um, and I would say my broadcasting career has sort of evolved over the last several years, but I feel very fortunate uh, for this current opportunity. And um, I just try to make sure that I bring my best and hopefully make the game even more interesting and, um, and to provide some insight to, to, to the viewers um, to hopefully, you know, give them an angle or a perspective that maybe they hadn't considered or they hadn't noticed when they watched the game. Um, so if there's ways that we can make the game again, more, um, more exciting and more intriguing for all the viewers, that's something that I certainly take a lot of pride in. Interesting that you say that, because that's pretty much exactly my evaluation. When I watch you, I, I was watching uh, game five last night against Toronto and <laughs> you were talking about Cole Caulfield and, and the golf ball. And I thought that was really interesting. And, you know, we, we talk about X's and O's all the time on, on panels and whatnot, but that was just a sort of a fresh take. Is that something you just really try and hone in on? Well, absolutely. And you try to bring the viewers, I guess, even closer to the athletes and, and to get to know them in terms of whether it's their mindset or what they're doing um, physically in terms of their performance on the ice or what they do to, to be at their best. And it's little examples like that where you see these players that are so skilled and so talented and provide such a high standard of excellence for their performance on the ice. Um, but it's always, I think, a nice angle to see, well, what helped them to, to be in this situation or what helped them to, to make it uh, to the NHL level and to perform so well there. And, and sometimes it's these little moments where you see, you know what, they're practicing and for kids watching to think about if they can work on their skills and develop and learn. Uh, I think that's also a potential for growth at the grassroots level too, to just grow the game in every capacity. 
Uh, speaking of skilled and talented players, the PWHPA's uh, Secret Dream Gap Tour is this week out in Calgary. Um, obviously, this is a, an event put on by the the PWHPA, and it's obviously showcasing the talent. Just how important is that event right now, and in the given the state of the women's game, and and just where do you think the the women's game is headed in the next little bit? I mean, these few games and this week for the, the PWHPA is, uh, is hugely important for them. And these, these high-level athletes on the women's side of the game have really come together in terms of what they believe in. And their whole vision is that they want to have a professional women's hockey league and they want it to be sustainable. They don't want something to come and go. They really believe that they want to create a league where in 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now, young females growing up have the chance to play professional hockey. So I give them a lot of credit in terms of uh, what they've, they've done to make sure that this is a platform that they come together on. And so now the showcase that's happening in Calgary, you have the three teams and the three training centers in Canada. You've got Calgary, Toronto, and Montreal. And these are the, the elite players in the game that um, the players that play for Team Canada, they're vying for Olympic spots, the best players in university and NCAA hockey when they're done playing, uh, play there as well. So this really is a showcase for, for the game. And it's, it's also really key to note that it's not just about these players at the elite level that want to play in a professional league, but we talk about the grassroots and, and that's what they believe that if young athletes see these players playing at that level, then they have that vision and those goals and those dreams to strive towards. So they really believe in the overall growth of the game, that if they have this sustainable professional league, that's going to help grow the game for young athletes growing up. And that's in terms of that sustainability and that consistency for women's hockey is something that they believe um, is hugely important. Jennifer, we had Cassie Campbell Pascal on our podcast uh, during the All-Star game last year, and, and she shared the sentiment that she thought that a WNHL was the next step in the women's game and in terms of getting that sustainable professional league for, for all women and females athletes. Um, just what do you think it takes to get to that point? Obviously, there, there would be a lot of work involved. Yes, and, and for the PWHPA Yes, they want to, to partner with the NHL, that they believe the infrastructure and the marketing with the league could be hugely beneficial and a big help in terms of growing the awareness, um, in terms of just a, a solid platform to help grow the game. So there are ongoing conversations uh, with the NHL. The one thing in terms of the approach for the PWHPA is that they haven't been in a rush, that of course they want to get this league up and running, but they also want to make sure that they're doing it the right way. And that's been something that's been steady for them, that they don't want to just get something up short term. They want to create partnerships and this league um, that will be sustainable. That's very clear that they want to be sustainable. And so for them, it's, it's making sure that these discussions continue. Um, and, but the key thing is that this, this is a league that they want to be, um, that they want to, they want it to be solid, both for the short term and the long term. All right. Obviously you're from Winnipeg. So I'm going to throw a Winnipeg specific question at you to wrap this up. Um, do you like ice cream? 
<laughs> of course I like ice cream. Okay. Uh, well, yes. here's the battle then. Is it, are you a fan of the bridge driving the BDI or Sergeant Sunday? <laughs> the BDI was yes. certainly um, our family. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. All right. Perfect. Oh, great, great memories. <laughs> Love it. Jen, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for the conversation. Tune in to Jets TV Live after every home game for highlights, analysis, and all the post-game comments live. Find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and the Winnipeg Jets mobile app. Guys, what's your favorite ice cream spot in the city? Is it BDI or is it Sergeant Sunday or are you going off the board? Oh, man. Um, so when I lived in the city, I, like I live just outside of it now, but we were closer to Sergeant Sunday. So we went there more often. My dad is a hardcore BDI fan and has been since he was a kid. And, but now I, I must say that my favorite is actually FET, which my French is horrendous, which is not good for a series against the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> But I will say that that is my favorite salted caramel crunch for the win. So a big shout out to them. They, it is a good ice cream place, but yeah, I would agree. See, I didn't grow up in and around BDI. So I grew up in West St. James up by the Downs racetrack. So that was a bit of a hike to get there. Yeah. At a place called Downs Dairy Delight that was really close to us. I used to go to that when I was a kid. Sergeant Sundays was by Assiniboine Park. So that was probably closer because that was a little bit more in the proximity. Um, but I'm a Dairy Queen guy too, you know? Yep. I don't mind going in there and getting a Sunday from a Dairy Queen. Uh, they've also been pretty good sponsors over the years of uh, different entities that I've worked for. So <laughs> I'm to pay homage to those. Of course. Well. <laughs> um, but you know what, guys? I don't have a problem going into like uh, a convenience store and buying like a drumstick. That's probably one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. It's one Drumst of my mom's favorites, too, yeah. Drumsticks yeah, are quality. Convenience store drumstick. <laughs> Perfect. It's going to be, it's gonna be like 30. It's going to be like 35 degrees Celsius in Winnipeg, so the ice cream stops are going to get nailed for the next week. Yeah. Well, wherever you get your ice cream, I just hope you enjoy it with a smile on your face. Yes. Uh, all right. Back to the hockey side of things. Uh, this is an interesting matchup, but they'll probably never be on the ice at the same time as one another, is Philip Deneau and Adam Lowry, the two shutdown centers for these two teams. Uh, just, Mitch, what do you think of this matchup and the role that they could possibly play in this series? Yeah, like it's going to be interesting, right? So Montreal tends to run a, a harder matchup game than the Winnipeg Jets have this season. And that's just, that's just from evidence over the, over the season uh, that has just gone by in the regular season. So, and I mean, Dano got a, a healthy dose of the Austin Matthews line uh, in the first series. And now, you know, your guess is that they go up against uh, Shifley, Connor and Wheeler. Uh, so if that's the case, I mean, you look at how the McDavid line fared against Shifley's line in the first two games, and even at different points over the course of the series, how that kind of broke down, you know, the, the, the Shifley line was outscored, I believe three to two, but for the most part, especially in the first two games, they kept that line off the scoreboard. Now getting to Lowry's line, then Lowry's line handled the McDavid trio in games three and four. And that was, 
a, a really solid performance from the Lowry line once again with, with Cop and Appleton. That's just a group that Paul Maurice can rely on at both ends of the ice uh, to get a lot of things done. And, but I do think that Montreal tends to be a little bit, I think, anyways, a little bit deeper than uh, the Oilers are with a number of different lines that can that can hurt you, whether it's um, Deneau's line does have the capability to go the other way. And as soon as you put uh, Jesperi Kuk and Yemi in the lineup like the uh, Canadians did in that first round series, uh, that's another guy that can put the puck in the net as he did in overtime to extend the series against the Maple Leafs. Cole Caulfield is almost this uh, this variable that the Jets haven't seen a lot of, but I think he showed well in, in the first bit of the year. So regardless of what lines on the ice, I think there's going to be uh, some challenges uh, that you're going to want to be able to contain them in your own zone, but you also want to be able to score against them. So Deneau's line, you know, he's a guy that's, that's pretty good in the faceoff dot, which is, you know, something that we saw is something that's quite valuable in this uh, postseason. If you're starting with the puck, I tend to believe that that puts you in a better spot. Uh, the Lowry line is another group that, you know, has a couple of guys that can win some faceoffs on there and Andrew Kopp and Adam Lowry. They've been going up against the opposition's best for a number of years. And while the Jets maybe aren't as much of a hard matchup team as they used to be, if that's how the series is going to go and how Dominic Ducharme wants to run his bench against the Jets, they're, I would say they're a very comfortable group in handling that regardless of what the matchups look like at home and on the road. Before we wrap things up here on Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, I'll pitch it to both of you. Just some final thoughts as we head into game one of the second round series. And I'll start with you, Paul. Well, you had on our agenda fans in the building, and I wonder if that's going to make a difference for either one of these two teams. It has to. It has to give you some slight edge, especially when in Montreal with 2,500 that they had in there for that last game against... Toronto in game six and there was something to it there was something to the anthem you know we all played the game we all played sports so I think we can come out and attack this honestly and say we always seem to play a little bit better or there was a little bit more on the line when people were watching right it's it's kind of tough to play when there's nobody watching you know there's thousands maybe millions watching on tv but there's the immediacy of seeing somebody there right then and there and I think whatever happens with Winnipeg, you might get a boost from some healthcare workers being in. You're certainly going to Montreal where there's going to be people in the building. We're certain of that. So I think there is an edge that can be created from that. And Paul Maurice has talked about that specifically coming after a goal, whether you've scored the goal or been scored against. And that's when you're going to see the biggest boost for the team that has maybe people in the building or in this case, maybe both. So I really... I'm looking forward to seeing that. It also, I think, from a mindset, a positive mindset, gets us back to thinking that we're going to get back to normal. It gets us a step closer after all of these months, a year and a half, right, of this. But this series will come down to, as it always does, and I mentioned off the top, who's better in goal. If you can get a power play goal or two, if you can prevent one, and if your top players are driving and if the top players are on the Winnipeg Jets, I believe the Winnipeg Jets have the ability to win this series. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, Montreal will be a tough nut to crack. There's no doubt about that. They love to transition on you. They love you to turn over the puck. And then they go from defense to offense very quickly. They have some speed. and They have some size. They've got a good goaltender. 
Same with the Winnipeg Jets. So it's going to be a very good series and one that I say will go six or seven games and let the best team win. Mitchell, you'll have the final thought. Oof, such an honor. Uh, the variable that I'm going to be keeping an eye on is uh, how the ice time is allocated on the back end of both squads. So, and I think that could play a big role. I mean, we looked at, uh, I think it was game six between the Canadians and the Maple Leafs where their top four in Sherratt, Weber, Edmondson, and Petrie played over 30 minutes and their uh, third pairing played just about seven minutes. And we talk about rest and rust and, and all those factors as the series goes on. And I will say the ice time was a little bit uh, more evenly allocated in game seven uh, between the Canadians and the Maple Leafs. So that's, you know, maybe game six was a bit of a one-off, but that top four of the Canadians gets run pretty hard. So it'll be interesting to see how they continue, especially given the, uh, the style of game that they play. Uh, Paulie Edmonds talked about the, uh, the big trees and how physical they are. Even if that's your game, it's going to wear you down a little bit. I would think at some point, um, looking forward to seeing, uh, Blake Wheeler up against, uh, Benny Sherratt, if that, uh, matchup ever occurs, uh, two guys that, uh, you know, both of them fierce competitors and, uh, obviously went up against each other a number of times, uh, in practice, uh, Wheeler said there's a good relationship between the two. So looking at the ice time allocation between what the Montreal Canadiens are able to do on their back end versus the Jets. And obviously they've had contributions from all three uh, defensive pairs that they've had uh, throughout the series with the Edmonton Oilers. Ice time a little bit more evenly allocated between that group. So you have rest for the Jets and also a little bit more of an even dispersion in ice time. I'm curious to see how that plays out with all those storylines. Uh, that we've been talking about. Oh, that just about wraps it up for episode 109 of Ground Control. Of course, the content machine does not stop a chugging. Uh, all the content you want about the Winnipeg Jets is on winnipegjets.com. And of course, on game days, you can tune into Jets TV Live, hosted by Mitchell Clinton. And I bet Paul Edmonds makes an appearance a few times as well. Uh, that is after the during the morning skate, both home Me and home games. Yes, and the post-game show. Uh, so make sure to tune in. That's on YouTube facebook twitter and of course winnipegjets.com you can get that there as well on behalf of myself tyler Escavel, 680 cjobs paul edmonds and jets tv's mitchell clinton have yourself a great day and go jets go this has been ground control the official podcast of the winnipeg jets hosted by jets tv for jets news videos and more head to winnipegjets.com 